This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. Today's Equip Podcast, I'm actually going to turn over to Nick Harsh. This uh, recording is actually from a different podcast we host at Cornerstone. If you don't know about this, this is a uh, podcast that basically has an archive of our equipping courses. We will provide a show note link uh, for that. It's the Equip Course Archive from Cornerstone Church of Ames. You can get to it even by just going to our website at Cornerstone, cornerstonelife.com slash podcasts. You can get the full uh, download of this podcast. It goes a little bit longer than what I'm going to include here and has a fuller discussion. But I wanted to share it with you because Nick Harsh, who's on staff uh, with our Salt Company Ministry in Ames, recorded a podcast on technology and virtue. We'd originally actually planned to have this as an equipping course on August 27th, but ran into a scheduling issue. And guys, the content here is just dynamite. It's so good. It's so full of wisdom. It is thoughtful. And it's going to raise a whole bunch of really important questions that we need to consider about the role technology has in our life. So I'm not going to give you any more than that except to say you need to listen into this. It's dynamite. It's so helpful. Take a listen. Again, Technology and Virtue, this is with Nick Harsh. I hope it's as beneficial for you as it was for me. And when we talk about the history of technology... There's at least three major events that have shaped the way that you and I think about technology that have impacted the way that we interact with technology. So obviously the world that we live in today is more than simply the product of these three events, but these three events, they've shifted the way that we think about technology, and so it's important to know about them. So the first shift, or shift number one, is this, the shift from oral communication to written communication. So the shift from oral communication to written communication. Maybe you've heard it said before that one of the things that made the Protestant Reformation possible is the invention of the printing press. The printing press, it's credited to a German inventor. Uh, and he said, to have, said he did make this thing in the 1400s. Like, he's said to have known this. No, he did it. Uh, and it's become one of the most important factors in the success of the Protestant Reformation, by providing a means for widespread circulation of new teachings and specifically the availability of the Bible to people. Understand that before the printing press, the primary way that information was communicated to the masses was through oral communication. That's because before the printing press, the replication of books and literature, it was tedious, it was time-consuming, it wasn't easy. If you wanted multiple copies of a book, then someone had to like literally write the book out by hand. It was slow and it was inefficient, which is why the invention of the printing press was such a powerful tool. The printing press made it possible to replicate information and to spread that information at a rate that was previously possible. Maybe you've heard of the name William Tyndale. So William Tyndale, he's best known for working to get the English Bible into the hands of common people. And there's this incredible line that he's known for saying to the, po- to the Pope. Uh, it's kind of a little bit of a fight in words, but he said this to the Pope. He said, if God spares my life in a few years, a plowboy shall know more of the scriptures than you do. And the reason that he could say that is because of the printing press. His hope was that the printing press would make the access to the Bible possible for everyone. And certainly that is 
is the case today. You think of just even on your phone right now that you're probably listening to this podcast on, you can also access nearly every translation of the Bible in basically every language, or many languages, I should say. And so it, that's possible today. Neil Postman, uh, who's a media ecologist, he wrote in his book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, um, and describes this shift from oral communication uh, to have written communication and, and said that it actually became somewhat of an obsession in the American colonies. So this new idea comes on the scene, like we can print books, we can make literature. And then uh, us as Americans early in the American colonies kind of got obsessed with that. And he, he wrote this example of that. He said this, Thomas Paine's Common Sense, so that's the book, Common Sense, published on January 10th, 19, or 1776, sold more than 100,000 copies by March of the same year. And then he goes on to write, he says, in 1985, a book would have had to sell 8 million copies in two months to match the proportion of the population that Payne's book attracted. He continues, he says, no one knows just how many copies were actually printed. The most conservative sources placed the figure at somewhere over 300,000 copies. And then Postman concludes by saying this, the only communication event that could produce such a collective attention in today's America is the Super Bowl. That's the end of the quote. Understand that was just one book in the early colonial American colonies. The point is that the invention of the printing press, it shifted the primary means of communication away from uh, oral communication to written communication. The result is that the creation and replication of information was rapidly expedited. That's an important thing to remember. The, the creation and the replication of information became uh, way more rapid after that period in history. So that's shift number one. Another major technological shift that took place was the shift away from locally-based information. The shift away from locally-based information. Uh, a guy named Stephen Ambrose, he writes this, a critical fact in the world of the 1800s was that nothing moved faster than the speed of a horse. No human being, no manufactured item, no bushel of wheat, no letter, no information, no idea, no instruction of any kind moved faster. Nothing ever had moved faster. And isn't that such a crazy thing to think about? That before the 1800s, literally information, it, it traveled as fast as we could run or as fast as a horse could travel or a carriage or a train or whatever. Um, but around that same time, something was happening. This new idea was beginning to develop. And the idea is this, that transportation and communication could be disengaged from each other. Before that time, the idea of information was always connected to transportation. And around that time, this idea, this new concept began, began to develop where we could actually separate those two things, that, that transportation didn't have to be connected to the delivery of information, that space uh, was not an inevitable constraint of the movement of information. Uh, Neil Postman, he writes again, until the 1840s, information could move only as fast as humans could carry it. To be precise, only as fast as a train could travel. And then he keeps going, which to be even more precise meant about 35 miles an hour. However, in 1837, two British inventors they obtained a patent to something that you've heard of called the telegraph system. And then by the end of the 
1940s, telegrams were being sent instantly, instantaneously over long distances. It's no surprise that the, the telegraph introduced this major shift away from a major shift in the way that information could be sent and received. And while there's certainly a ton of positive things that came about because of the telegraph, the telegraph also introduced this idea of irrelevance, impotence, and incoherence into communication. The telegraph introduced the concept of context-free information. In other words, before this time, every bit of information that you would hear would have some sort of useful factor to it. So for example, maybe you hear on, you know, in the newspaper, Farmer Brown, he's lost his cow. And now you're looking out the window and, oh my goodness, there's this cow wandering the streets. It's like, it's news that had a use. But with the telegraph now, what it introduces context-free information, meaning that the information you heard was really more about novelty it really was more about how creative it was or how fast you could get it. The, the information that was received became valuable, not because of its usefulness, but because of its speed, uh, novelty, and, and just the general like creativity of what it was. And that's an, an important thing to keep in mind because today what you see is that reality magnified. We live in a, an attention-driven world where the success or the failure of many companies, it's directly tied to their ability to capture and maintain your attention. And understand that wasn't really even possible before the invention of the telegraph. Before that, news was simply news that you acted upon. But again, with the telegraph, now you have context-free news. The third major shift... Um, is this. It's, it's the shift from what I'm going to call the dumb phone to the smartphone. And again, there's more shifts than just simply these three, but this third shift, the shift from just a phone being something that you call people with to really the internet in your, your pocket, that is kind of the final or one of the major shifts that has taken place in the last 20 years or so. Um, with the introduction of the smartphone, you have the ability now to instantaneously access almost all information in your pocket at any moment and the ability to, to communicate across the world instantaneously. So that thought that I just shared, that would have been unimaginable even 100 years ago. Just think about this with me for a second. Imagine never having a social media account to manage. Imagine never feeling out of the loop because you missed the latest news Imagine never feeling like the pressure of, oh, did people like this post or do I know what's happening in this news source? Imagine never feeling any of that. That's how everyone on the planet functioned less than 20 years ago. But if you've been outside or even if you're familiar with the concept of a phone, those days are long gone. Specifically, an overview of history shows that one of the primary ways uh, technology has shaped us is that it's completely changed the way that we think about information. So information it was once usable, actionable, think Farmer Brown and the cow outside the window. Today, most of the information that we consume is simply entertainment. Consider even the news that you watch. Most of what you see on the news are things that you don't actually even have control over. And so while it's helpful to know about, it's helpful to be informed about, 
the reality is that even the news that we watch is often something that I can't do anything about beyond maybe praying for that, that thing or that person. And with these kind of three major shifts and, and specifically the, that final shift from the, the dumb phone to the smartphone, it's clear that technology, it's woven itself into the very fabric of our lives. Often our technology, uh, I know this is true for me at times, can, can operate more like an appendage than even a tool that we use. It's like it just stays with us all the time. If we leave the house without our phones, many of us feel uncomfortable. Even worse, uh, our chances of getting lost, they go up way significantly. I'm you know, going on two years now living in Ames, and it's like, how many things am I going to have to use uh, maps for to, to find? It's kind of embarrassing. I got most of the south side of Ames down, but I feel like once I get to the north side, I'm just like, please let my phone be charged because I'll just get lost. Um, it, it acts almost as like an appendage for many of us. We we turn to them at the first kind of moment of boredom in conversations. It's like, hey, how are you doing? You know, how is the weather? And then it's like, oh, what should I say? Turn to our phone. And and the kind of the summary of all of this is that screens and technology, they're not simply a creative tool or a, a form of entertainment anymore. Instead, screens and technology, they're kind of the new normal in our life, if you think about it. This is the world in which we live. We've seen radical shifts in technology, and some of the most significant shifts have taken place in our lifetime. Uh, Daniel Borstein writes this, if we risk, or excuse me, we risk being the first people in history to have been able to make their illustrations so vivid, so persuasive and realistic that they can live in them. Just think of AI and some of those types of things. We're in the most, we are the most illusioned people on earth, yet we dare not become disillusioned because our illusions are the very home in which we live. They are our news, our heroes, our adventures, our forms of art, our very existence, end quote. And Daniel's point there is simply that we've, so much of the world, so much of our interaction, it happens online, it happens in technology that he writes there, we dare not become disillusioned because so much of our life happens in a, a screen or in technology that uh, there is in some sense a danger there that we could become disillusioned people. And today those words, they, they're haunting in some ways. Uh, I joke with people, like we might wish that this described a dystopian future, but it really is the world that we live in. Most people don't have an issue with technology. I certainly don't. I have a you know, a phone that I'm like is right next to me at this moment. I'm looking at a computer. I'm talking into a mic. We're recording this podcast on technology. But more and more people are becoming concerned that maybe, just maybe, technology actually owns them. I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but I think one of the places that people feel this the, the most is when it comes to notifications and background noises and the way that technology or their phones kind of interrupt their life. Maybe you get to work on Monday and your email inbox is just totally full. And you know that it represents hours of your time, but you don't need to be in the office to know that emails are waiting for you because you have access to them on your phone. Or maybe you think about text messaging or the presence of, where the presence of sound is nearly every minute of every day. This kind of in-your-face way that technology exists in our life, it's very new. We've mentioned different ways already that, that technology is, has transformed, but not even a hundred years ago, silence was the default mode of life. And certainly that's no longer the case. We're surrounded by a nearly endless stream of beeps and notifications. And what's so interesting about beeps and notifications is that, that they require a response every single time. 
I just want to give you a couple of, of quotes that I found helpful that I think are really kind of insightful. Uh, the first one's from Tim Challies from The Next Story, and he writes this, beeps always demand a response, even if the response is only to silence and irritating noise. How many times, I know I've been there, it's like you, you get a response when you're having an important combo and you pick up your phone and turn it off. It's like, that's a really regular and normal part of life. Paul Graham, he writes this, distraction is not static obstacles that you avoid like you might avoid a rock in the road. Distraction seeks you out. And all you have to do is take out your phone and you're kind of assaulted in a sense by a nearly endless flood of red dots vying for your attention. It's likely that even since you know, you've started listening to this podcast that you've had your eyes averted to a message or a text or saw a notification for an email. And that's certainly not wrong. And I'm definitely not upset about that. But the point is this, that that would have been totally unthought of 20 years ago. But one of the only places now that you can even be alone with your thoughts, it seems like, is in the shower, right? And it's really only a matter of time before our devices are totally waterproof and even that place will be distracted. In other words, we live in a world where technology is in your face and just constantly vying for your attention. It's funny. I, I don't know if this is funny. Maybe this is just funny to me, but uh, sometimes we'll, we'll tell people once our phones become waterproof, um, that will just signal the apocalypse and we'll just you know move on from there into whatever exists in that dystopian world. But, um, but yeah, the, there really is this, this intense uh, kind of in-your-face attention seeking that, that our technology is looking for. And again, that's not all bad. The point is that, that technology isn't that technology is evil or that we should resort back to the olden days. The point is that we have to be aware of the world that we're living in if we're going to navigate it.